Hello, welcome to Mark Langley's Horsemanship Podcast, a podcast helping people to understand their horses better, to provide solutions in a calm, connected way. I'm Jenny Barnes. And I'm Mark Langley. Your first question comes from Andrea. She says that she has a horse that she wants to pony off, but they are cranky towards the ponied horse, who happens to be his paddock mate. Are there any ways to help them get along in the pony situation? Um, yeah, it's it's always a bit of a, a funny one that, yeah, sometimes a passive pony horse can, you know, they, they feel the energy of that other horse pushing on them. Uh, so they, you know, if you want them to sort of move in or move around, then, then that other horse will block, block them very quickly because they're obviously feeling getting close, that horse is going to put them in danger. Um, so basically, um, if you're going to pony another horse, you've got to have a reasonable control of the other horse a little bit on the ground first if you want to so you know so even if you can just sort of put a little feel through a rope and get it to kind of move away a little bit um things like that back off a little um and you've also you know got a way of sort of getting that other horse to let go of a strong thought so when that horse has a the, the horse that you're going to pony has a strong thought towards your pony horse uh that that could be sort of you know I, um i guess stopping your pony horse from following your feel then then you can always um tell that other horse to let go of that thought so till it softens towards your pony horse while you're sitting at a distance so something i i i would tend to do is is i i just sit quietly on a pony horse and i'd have my other horse about two or three meters away at a distance uh facing um and and i would just get it to listen to the rope even if you taught it to back up with a little bit of a wriggle so the horse can back off with a little bit of a wriggle and come forward and and just work it at a distance from the pony horse till the horse is, is more responsive and listening and then when you do start ponying I, I ride in a circle uh so i keep the um i ride my pony horse around the horse in the middle and the one in the middle is going to be watching and and have two eyes on most times to start with uh, just while you ride around it and then slowly as you're riding around you shorten up the lead and get the horse to come in a little closer but you're keeping on going around so if there's any conflict say if your pony horse was going to kick out you're kind of on an angle that you're turning into the other horse anyway so you're just riding around and you do that on both both eyes both sides first so yes if they've, they've done it on both sides so it's just like you're circling around them and you can sort of you know diffuse any situations and slowly like a mounting block that horse in the middle will be like a mounting block and you whittle your way in and then you kind of turn out together and softly ride out together when your horse is soft don't just try and haul them and just go leading and have a big conflict just ride around spiral into that that horse slowly any hard thoughts towards your horse just quickly diffuse them with a little bump in the rope or something like that um just to, just so the horse that, that you're leading softens and uh, and then you can just kind of as i say melt in together and ride off um, and just spend a bit more time on that on both sides and that should help out just slowly integrating them like a bit of graded exposure uh and until they're comfortable um and and the the, the spare horses uh, or the one getting ponied it, um knows that it's in it, it's listening to you in the field and it's it's you know not between him and the pony horse Okay, and transitioning from fitness to a bit. So I don't know much about this, but I've got two different questions from Carolyn and Cheryl. So one is transitioning from a fitness bridle to a bit, and the other one is transitioning from a bosal to a side pull or a bit. 
can you just help with ideas on how you can do this transition so they both stay calm and happy the one that's transitioning from a bitless to a bit um it does sometimes grind her teeth okay um so the one that's going from bitless to a bit is that a bosal or a side pull or is that just a um, um... she do, I'm sorry she doesn't know she just says um, transitioning and um, she's been riding in a bit less yeah okay. okay so but the other one was going from a bit uh, from a bosal a bosal yes a, a bosal to a side pull okay right cool so so basically um, Going from bitless to bit is fairly easy um, in, in a side pull bridle because, um, you know, the reins are coming from the side. So everything that you'll be doing is roughly the same as what you'll be doing in the bit. Uh, the only thing is um, what I would tend to do is I'd, I'd treat treat the horse like a baby as I'd, I'd bit it up and I'd leave it bitted, um, you know, for an hour, half an hour, an hour, just let the horse carry the bit. Uh, and you do that each day for a few days, you know, while, while you're doing other stuff. And you can also, if you're careful in the way you, you do it, um, ride the young horse with a bit in its mouth, but not using the bit. Okay, the hardest thing about using the side pull when the bit's in their mouth is um, you've got like the side pull kind of pulling on the, well, not connected to, but kind of bumping. Um, so so the, the, the bit rings. Um, but you could ride a couple of days in a halter just around the yards or something just while the horse carries the bit if you wanted to. Uh, and that, that, that would also just, but carrying the bit's going to be the main thing. And the other thing before you go, if you, before you ride, uh, you can just do just some little exercises where you just get a horse to walk, you know, just walk them beside the saddle, get them to bend in uh, off the bit and just follow around you, uh, following the inside rein around. Uh, you can also just stand on the ground and, and hold two reins uh, just beside them and just get them to back off the bit pressure while you're on the ground until they're soft at that and then in a fairly closed environment not without without you know not a big environment where you've got to use it for anything big you just teach them exactly the same as you've been using uh, the side pull just start to pick up a feel um, and and until they can follow that around um, so really it's just a matter of doing it doing it you know put the bit in their mouth get them used to it uh, carrying it so they're comfortable carrying it um, maybe I, I, what I used to do with young horses, I was, I was changing over on the days that I was changing over at the, at just when the horse was going good, um, in, in whatever I was riding it in, um, as in the halter or bitless, um, when the horse was going good, then I'd put the bit on and just do a few minutes, just following the bit around because the horse was, it was just off the back of a lesson where the horse was already following a feel pretty good. Everything was going fine. Um, and then I just put the bit in and do that last stage. But knowing that before I rode in bitless, the horse had carried the bit, I'd done a little bit of groundwork with the bit. And then at the end of a lesson, just start to do about five or 10 minutes of just following the reins around and, and until the, you know, your horse is feeling pretty good in the basic things that you're showing it. Um, and then, yeah, slowly just incorporate it in and, 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 and change it over when you think, think everything's going okay. But on a really anxious horse and one's had trauma in the bit in the past, uh, you want everything else to be established pretty good um, in the sense of, because uh, I know your mare and I know she, there, there's a lot of sort of jamming up she might have had in the past. 
when she was away getting trained. Um, so you have to be mindful that the, the memory of the bit um, could bring back some of that brace and anxiety and chewing and stuff. So that's why carrying it for a while and off the back of a soft lesson um, incorporate it and, and, and show her, you know, a new page for the bit. Um, and what about the basal to the yeah. side pull? So basal to side pull. Now, basals are an interesting one, and a, and a lot of people sometimes go from riding in a bit, you know, if they want to go bitless, so they decide to go to a basal. Basals are, I guess you could say, it's like riding in a stiff halter. So a halter has got a lot more give, and though it's not as accurate in a sense as a basal, because it's more flexible, um, you can get away with riding it on young horses pretty good. A basal, you have to be careful. Because a basal, um, so a basal is the piece around their nose, and that's the kind of, you know, the hard bit, um, and it's kind of weighted at the back. So with that, with that weight at the back, um, and the shape of it, when you pull a right rein, it's twisting the basal kind of to the left, which would be the same as pulling a left rein on the side pull. So you have to be careful because basals are fairly rigid. Um, they can put, for everybody else that wants to go to a basal, for instance, if you're not sure about it, you can put, if you if you sort of, you can put brace in a horse using a basal incorrectly. So you have to you have to be very careful using a basal that you, you know you've got a horse pretty supple um, and knowing how to look into its turns because it's easy just to haul on a rein and, and, and make them feel like they got a twist like that because they've been used to riding from, the, from side to side. Um, but like with your question, going from the basal, to the to the side pull, you might find for a couple of days there the horse is thinking the wrong way to the rein, and that's not going to be a big problem. Uh, what you'll find you'll have better left right rein. Yeah, the difference between the left right right rein for the horse will be clearer. So for your rein positions and stuff like that, it's going to be um, you know quite accurate um, with the side pull. But all you'll do is you just you just take a feel a small feel when the horse starts to look off to the right. You just firm up a little when the horse looks to the left loosen up a little and just show it so, so, so you're not just pulling the horse into a turn you're offering the turn and and if you see the horse going oh usually it feels like I've got to look that way just block the look and then when the horse just kind of lets go that look a little soften again until the horse acknowledges that that picking up on that left rein means bring your thoughts left and right and then they'll slowly understand that oh that's a different pressure but as I say, because the left rein is twisting that whole nose band to the left and the right one's twisting it to the right, once the horse gets it, it'll make more sense because it's kind of twisting in the right direction for the horse to want to bend. So, um, so yeah, so basically, um, and, and, and try and encourage, like even if you let the horse bend and look before it moves, I'm not saying lateral flexion where you've got them bent right around here and their shoulders are stuck down to the ground, but I'm um, thinking like, Bend, flick an ear, look, soften, and then lead out. Bend, look, soften, lead out, and just work it like that until your horse, um, you know, is just happy that when you pick up on that feel, right means think right and bend right, left means think left and um, bend and think left. The next question is from Susan, and it's about float loading. Her horse floats well, and it's good to get on and off. She can stop him at any point and she can ask him to go backwards or forwards. She has been following your method for float training. However, he has started to open up and he can occasionally come out sweaty, has recently started pouring and swinging his head. And um, he has 
she does sometimes we in the float though so what she's wondering is are these signs of anxiety or restlessness or something else people have told her that if you read he's confident in the float pouring and head tossing is impatience she's not so sure could you please give your thoughts on that yeah well it sounds like if he's just uh, if he's been opening up after being shut down or something like that he was probably always an obedient loader but probably a bit sort of you know hunkers down in there and just kind of goes with it and and in the process of opening up he's, he's um sometimes you see behavior that you don't really want but i guess the thought of that behavior was already in there so um now that he's open you've got more chance to get him soft but it's not that easy so um yes it is anxiety um just because he weed in there doesn't mean he's not anxious some horses will still wee when they're anxious. It's more likely, you know, anxiety. Horses tend to have the irritable bowel syndrome when they're anxious, a bit like sometimes people get. Um, so whereas they'll, they, 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 they'll, they, they won't wee as much, but number twos, they'll, there are plenty of those. So, um, but some horses will still do both when they're anxious. So don't look at um, the weeing as oh good he's weed that means he's relaxed no just look at all the other signs that's telling you that he's not relaxed I'd, I'd look at those those obvious signs more more than more than um yeah what, what he's doing toilet wise so what i what i would um look at is is he really soft at loading or just obedient um so i, I mean can he loosely take a step on and off and i and i'd probably bring him right back to the float to the ramp and i'd just say can you just go real soft really soft really soft really soft can you just kind of softly step here and just just you know step there step there and just relax and then just say good boy thanks for following the feeling relax and take any brace out of him and don't say this is not about i don't want you to go on the float don't know yeah when you need a float i don't want you to load i want you to sort of let go of the brace and soften so if he's doing his step forward step back like a mechanic mechanically and he's a bit braced well, you might think he's still doing all the right thing. You're doing all the right things and he's doing it the right way to go on. But you'll see through some of that obedience and you might feel that there's still a bit of brace and anxiety in there. So I'd sort of get near the ramp. I'd maybe just rock him forwards and backwards near the ramp so he's taking little steps softly. And then when he kind of feels good and soft, just loosen up and then step back. Let him, let him sniff the ramp if he wants to. Let him have a look at it and then do that again. Find any sort of, any kind of rigid sort of steps, anything that doesn't feel right any hard thoughts, square eyes, anything like that, just kind of go backwards and forwards till he loosens and follows the feel and then let off again until you can do that pretty well all the way up in into the ramp, like further into the float. But if he takes a pushy forward step and you go to block it and step back and you feel him push into your hand, means it's just an assumption that he's got to go in or something like that. So you, you push him back until he's really supple in that feel. Uh, and I want you to go and instead of just feeling for the obedience of the forwards and backwards steps. I want to feel for softness, look for softness in him, you know, look over him, you know, what signs can you see that he's still holding the brace or anxious and, and get him leading really supple in there and until and, and he can sort of walk all the way in nice and loose. Um, but that might take you a little while, as in more than one lesson. <clears throat> um, but don't let him on any further until he gives you if you can feel softness somewhere out there if it's a meter from the float and that's the softness you feel and you think that's pretty good 
then don't let him do any part of that journey in that float without giving you the same softness that he gave you out there outside the float. And then once he can say, give you that softness just by putting the foot on and foot off, foot on and foot off, then that's when you stop and let him have a think about it. And then the softer he steps on the float, the more he might start to engage with it and try and understand it a bit more that, you know, he can go in there safely. Once he's in there, because you've done all that, you're going to work on him being softer inside the float and just moving softly inside there, softly, 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 and just get him to feel a lot calmer. And I think after doing a lot of that, you'll find that he might start to kind of feel a little better and um, have better, um, I guess, management tools in the float, more confidence to rebalance, things like that. Um, so try that for a little while, see how that works. And I think um, though he is down in, like like you said, I I I'd go and um, I'd, I'd look through look through a, um, a final lens, and I'd I'd go, oh no, I think he's still carrying a fair bit of tension going in there. Though he's doing the right thing and he's being obedient, he's just not soft about it. And also every time he stops, monitor how much he's engaging with it and how he engages with it. If he gets hard with it, like it starts to harden, stomp it hard, or gets a little angry. Tell him to let go of that thought. Even if you've got a little flag, pop the flag, let go of that thought, and then just rock him backwards and forwards until he's loose and soft. Any, any engagement with the float that looks soft and curious or try and understand it, then you let that happen. Um, and, and, and then when he can think softly all the way in, then, then he might start to think about standing softly and balancing softly in there a little bit better. Um, and also, then you'll do some graded exposure. If you start to sort of just destinate once he's in there standing, you'll, you'll sort of stand him in there for two or three minutes with him and then take him out again back in and, and just slowly um, put him in there for a little bit longer until he gets better at that. Um, and then, yeah, see how you go. Sometimes you can put something that they like in there after a bit, but I wouldn't do that a lot because they'll just destinate to that and then that's the only reason they're going in there. But sometimes it could be just an association of something good, um, but not after all the good education's done. Okay, talking about science, we're going to go on to a question from Caitlin, who's from Belgium, and she's a member as well. And she would like to know um, why her horse is yawning. This is a horse that she's been trying to reconnect with, who's been quite hard to catch in the paddock. So um, at the stage where she's sort of getting a bit close to him and they're getting... Um, he's paying attention to her and then he'll start this yawning. What does that mean? Um, yawning's usually, and, and that the horse, the, the photo that, uh, that I saw and, and just um, watching your video, which, which I will review for you, um, is that's, you know, just distress yawning. And then those big yawns, those big, uh, big yawns that you see, usually are what, what would you call stress yawns. We don't want to get too excited about those yawns. Some, sometimes we get excited saying, oh, look, the horse just yawned, that's good. And and I'm like, well, you know, seeing that's just telling you how much stress the horse was in, or, you know. So um, basically, it's it's I see that yawning as a release of tension, you know, all the tension that they carry. And you've got to imagine, like, what it's like to be a horse that's carrying a lot of tension. Like, for some horses... Um, you know, like the ones that hold their breath and tighten up all in their face and they just get all sucked up and like everything's gone tight. They're carrying a lot of tension. Uh, and then when they have a, a thought change and they sort of release some of that, then sometimes you'll see like stress yawns. But then I've seen horses that do big yawns and kind of, and, and they kind of with all the other indicators that you see 
uh, they just slowly kind of relax into this nice kind of calm place. Other horses I've seen uh, that have been really tight brace horses, they stress yawn because they're not as um, holding in as much, but they'll stress yawn, then they'll have all this anxiety, then they'll stress yawn, then they'll, uh, so they're, they're still full of anxiety, but um, they're yawning more. Um, so sometimes it, it's just all part of the horse coming down. Uh, sometimes it's just the horse releasing some of the tension that it had um, when it was tighter. Um, that's the way I see the yawning. But the reason I don't get excited about it is because when you work with young um, uh, horses that don't carry tension like that, they don't yawn like that. You know, they're not yawning all the time. You know, when I work, you know, our horses, even after they're a bit stressed, of course, they're constantly actively going towards their thoughts and their, um, they, they don't, like when you finish a lesson, there might be a bit of a lick and a chew and there might be this, but I don't see the big stress yawning in those ones as much as I do the ones that have kind of been carrying more brace and, and carrying uh, like a deeper tension. So, you know, if in a week's time you go, oh, look, he just did a big yawn, we're on the right track. It's like, well, yeah, you, he let your horse let go of some of the tension from that particular moment. But if you're seeing it in a week or a month or, you know, a month, well, not a week, but a month's time that they're still kind of stress yawning after certain things and you know they're still carrying a lot of tension in there um, at certain intervals in training, um, interacting, whatever it may be. Um, so, so you have to be careful, you know, you want to get to a stage that you can see a loose um, minded horse where the ears are loose, the eyes are loose and, and the face is a lot looser all the time and one that doesn't need to kind of stress you on every time there's a bit of a conflict in training or something like that so so yeah i'd say in your particular horse it's because of what he just went through before he connected it's a release of all the tension you know the grim i call it the gremlins are all coming out uh that's what's happening with him so but but yeah over time you'll get to a stage that your horse looks soft and there won't be all this big letting down kind of looking um, signals that it's that, that they're giving it'll just be kind of like uh, you know a smooth flowing horse okay the last question for you today is from lisa she would like to know long-standing learned avoidance behaviors such as rearing will they ever fade with time and good training yes um i always say yes because i always live as the optimist when it comes to things we can we can help horses um it depends how good of an alternative you've offered the horse basically long-standing behaviors are there because the horse didn't have an alternative and training was bad or handling was bad along the way so basically the alternative wasn't offered and a lot of times in in in, in training we're good at saying no but we should be saying well what about this you know have you tried this instead um, so, so, you know, close the reins and say, don't run off or whatever, all those things, or, you know, the racehorse that gets jagged with the stallion hold every time it gets ahead or it gets a bit jumpy, it's all this no, 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 no. So then these horses build up these brick walls of, of, um, you know, and, and then they, they just become fearful of training and stuff like that and resentful of it. So basically if the horse is a rearer, you don't say don't rear you give it the alternative of rearing, you show it, well, find out what caused it to rear. There's probably certain things that caused it to rear. And, and then the pathways um, to teach it not to rear are there too. 
So if you teach the horse how not to rear or to follow a feel, to have an alternative to all those things, then yes, um, by all means, a lot of those long-standing behaviors can disappear because a horse will only ever seek comfort in a sense. You know, why is a horse rearing? Why does a horse want to be with its mates? Why does a horse want to go somewhere? They want to seek comfort. And if you can show them that there's more comfort through your idea and your alternative that you've offered it, well, by all means, they're not going to want to rear because that's, that rearing is a stressful thing and fighting and evading is stressful. So, so if, if there is comfort through education, then, then, then of course, I think a lot of those long-standing behaviours will disappear. Um, but you have to sometimes, you've got to poke the bear a little bit in the sense as you, you know, you've got to, you've got to go into where the horse was uncomfortable and then show them a way out. Um, that's, that's going to be better for them than what they were doing. And, and, and yeah, and I've had good results with, with getting horses with some long-standing behaviors to, um, you know, just suddenly let go of a heap of brace in, in a short amount of time because they went, oh, I didn't know, I didn't know I could do that. I didn't know that was available. I was just trying to sort of, you know, get away from pressure I didn't understand. So, so yeah, no, I think that a lot of that stuff can be, can be helped and hopefully become a thing of the past, depending on how, how good we can offer those alternatives. That's a lovely positive note to end the year with. So um, we need to say goodbye for, for now. Uh, we will be back next year. Um, and thank you very much to all the listeners out there. We've seen the audience grow and grow this year. And a lot of people obviously really enjoying the vast amount of knowledge and fantastic information that Mark just gives out. Um, so, so thank you very much for, for being there and listening and we hope it's been helpful and um you know we do encourage you just just to keep those questions coming through and we'll keep going very happily next year for you and we look forward to seeing you then have a great christmas thank you everybody uh have a great christmas and look forward to yeah, helping you guys next year and uh yeah it's been a been a great year very busy and um but without your support uh yeah we wouldn't be doing this so thanks so much you can learn more from Mark online through his online training videos. Just search Mark Langley Horsemanship. There's over 380 training videos which everyone has access to with a seven-day free trial. If you like what you see, it's just $15 a month from there. That's help where you need it.